Let's just stay in this attitude of worship. Just those words that we just sang, from you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory, Lord. Everything that we have, everything that we are, comes from Him. We need to now just maybe settle that in your heart. There's nothing that you have that wasn't given to you by Him. Nothing. I don't care how hard you worked. I don't care who you are. You are here by sovereign design. You are here because God decided you to be here right now. And He deserves all the glory for that. I think all the things, all the words that have been spoken tonight, all the words that came through is lining up to from you are all things and to you are all things. Lord, tonight we give you all the praise and all the honor. Father, that we are here tonight. I pray, God, that we will hear what your spirit wants to say to each person here this, this evening. Touch hearts, Lord. Come and set free, Lord. Set the captives free tonight, Lord. If people have been held in bondage with mindsets, Father, come and break that. Come and uh, open wide the gates tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. For those of you who don't know, my name is Stefan. My wonderful wife usually sits there. She's not there. Thank the Lord I don't believe in the rapture. Sure, now I've just opened a theological conundrum there for half of the church. <laughs> Quickly move on. I'm going to start off by um, making a statement. Another one. <laughs> we all want a meaningful purpose to direct our lives. True. Each one of us. Each one of us want a meaningful purpose to direct our lives. So what is the point of getting through school? For those that are writing matric right now. And maybe you say tonight, well, it's to get a job, a good job. Okay. And what is the point of getting a good job? I mean, to make enough money to support a family and do the things we want to do. I mean, we all can do with the extra 10,000 rand, no? I would do with a million. I would not want to say What is that? My soon. What do you call it? No, it's not. So assume that your marriage stays together and you raise a family. Okay. We live in a real world, hey? The kids grow up and they leave the nest. You retire from your job. You enjoy your grandkids. You play some golf, you surf, if you can, still get up, catch some fish, which I don't do, drive around the country in your expensive motor vehicle uh, with your expensive petrol, and take videos of all the national parks in and around South Africa, and maybe you even travel overseas, you get sick, and you die. So, it gets better. What did your life count for? What did your life 
count for? And what is the purpose of life? This is a big question for a lot of people in the world today. What is my purpose? People pay thousands of rands to find out what their purpose is in life. So every Christian knows that we are here to glorify God and enjoy God forever. That's the reason why we were created. Something that is written in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It says the chief end of man. The reason why God has made you and me is to glorify God. Through everything that we do. Everything we say. But how do we do that? We glorify God and enjoy Him by living each day in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, He's not just my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my Master. Why can I say that? Because He bought me with blood. He paid for me. You see, the Bible says I used to be a slave to sin. Now he says, I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm his. But yet we're stubborn. We must probably be the most stubborn slaves that I've ever seen in my entire life. Because we want to tell the master what we want to do with our lives. See, we live in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And another way that we do this is by using the gifts that He has given to us to extend His kingdom. And the context for exercising these gifts is always, my friends, it's always in the local church. It's always here where you're sitting tonight. You are here by design, by God's purpose. To live out in this community your purpose and your destiny. Our destinies are tied together with one another, whether you believe that or not. Where each member works for the growth of the body to build itself up in love. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 please. It's going to be up here. Therefore I say, when he, that's Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. This is the nature of our God. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is the nature of our God that he continually is giving. He gave gifts. He didn't leave us alone. And tonight, this is maybe a bit of an introduction. I'm not going to cover all the gifts. I can tell you that four chapters in the Bible is actually, um, time is spent on the gifts. How much of that do we even know? Okay, who can tell me where they are situated in the Bible? Some of the gifts. Some of the big portions. Yeah, Nina. Yes, Esther. Uh-uh, Nia. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. Ephesians. Who said Ephesians? Ephesians. It's Ephesians 4. 
verse 11. That's good. Romans 12. Who said Romans 12? That's it. Romans 12, verse 6 to 8, I think, if I'm right. Yeah, Romans 12, 6 to 8. That's good. Another one? 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. And then there's also in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. Those are the places. And there's some other numerous places that's alluding to the gifts. So do you guys have them now? 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. Actually, the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13 is he's talking about it as well. Paul is talking about it. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 to 8. 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Those can be divided up into three groups. They are called the motivational gifts. I'm just literally, this is skimming over it. The motivational gifts, the ministry gifts, and the manifestation gifts. So if you're in this congregation, we will be talking about these for the next term in our communities. And we're actually going to find out what gifts we have. Because each one of us have a gift. Okay. So... The first point that I want to make, you can leave that verse up for me, please. Ephesians 4 verse 8. The first point that I want to make tonight is that God gifts, God's gifts are good gifts. He says, what father will give his children something that is not good? How father in heaven, and we've studied that a little bit over the last while as well. Hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. God gives, give good gifts. It's the nature of God. So the first thing is, James chapter 1 verse 17 says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. There's a scripture for you. Coming down from the Father of light, with whom there are no variation or shadow due to change. He doesn't change. He's always the same. The second thing I want you to note in that verse is that He gave. He gave. In Ephesians chapter 4, 8, He gave gifts. Okay. Why? Why does God give gifts? Because He received first. And listen to what... Peter is speaking of in Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Listen to this. Acts chapter 2, 33. Do you have that, Lindsay? You got it? Being therefore, this is talking about Jesus, exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out it. Out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. In other words, what is the gift that Jesus received? Seated at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit. And I want to say to you, the greatest gift that Jesus could give us. It's not his life, it's the Holy Spirit. It's great that he died on the cross. It's wonderful and we see salvation through that. But it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, if it wasn't for the, the regenerative work of the Spirit, none of us would believe. He's the one that brings faith to us. He's the one that baptizes us. He's the one that gives us gifts. He distributes it, the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus says this. He says, it's better that I go. It's to your advantage. It's beneficial. I'm going to go to my Father and prepare a place for you. And I'm going to send you a helper. The Holy Spirit. The promise of the Holy Spirit. He gave because he received. See, Jesus... He is like a, the he is the high the great high priest, and he's the one who mediates the receiving and giving between us and his father. The Bible says this that we have this mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So what is what is he mediating? He's giving us what the Father has given him, the Holy Spirit, to us. It's a gift. He gave gifts. To all men. He gave gifts. The greatest, I just said it. The greatest gift Jesus gave was the Holy Spirit. Who in turn brought life to each man. Each person. If you're sitting here and you're a born again Christian, it was done through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showed you Jesus. Jesus pointed to himself and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But not a single Pharisee, every single one of them standing in front of him didn't see it. Why not? Because the Holy Spirit didn't work on their hearts. The Holy Spirit comes and works in your heart. And you see you're a sinner. That revelation doesn't just come, my friends. It comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the one activating that. He's the one showing Jesus to you. He's showing grace you can, by faith, which is a gift, through grace we're saved. By grace we are saved. And we can't see that grace unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and to me. Therefore, he is the greatest gift that Jesus could give us. In turn, he also baptized us. In other words, he brought us into union, into the body of Christ. He baptized us into one body. We become part of the body of Jesus Christ. Ons vereenselvig onszelf met die dood en die opstanding van Jesus. That's what we do. The death, the burial, the resurrection. We spoke about baptism this week in foundations. It's important that we understand foundational stuff. Because our theology gets very wonky if we don't understand what happened down here with the foundational stuff. It's the Holy Spirit. He's also the one that distributes individual gifts to each believer as he will. As a young boy, my mom said, I used to stand in the back of the line when God handed out certain things. <laughs> it was, I'm sure. But... There's no row, there's no line, there's no nothing. There's no, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. There's no, he decides. He decides what you're going to do. He decides that. Not me. Not because I'm clever, not because I'm brought up in a Christian home. Not because I got saved at the age of three. Or anything like that. I didn't get saved at the age of three. <laughs> I didn't. But God decides. What gifts you're going to get by the Holy Spirit? 
Look at this in the gospel of, uh, of John. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this is said about the Spirit, with whom those who believed in him were to receive for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus hasn't ascended on high. That's why that verse in Ephesians 4, 8 starts with, because He ascended on high, He gave gifts. As soon as He went to, to heaven, He gave gifts. As He sat down next to the Father, the Father says, give them the Holy Spirit. They're going to need Him. My friends, I'm dead in the water without him. I don't have enough natural capacity in me to do what I do right now. I don't. I don't have the, uh, the, the acumen. I don't have the, no, it's by the Holy Spirit that we do these things. I can promise you if you speak to half the people on the stage, they will tell you some of them, have got some talent, but it's not just talent that keeps them up there. There's a gift that the Lord gave them, a gift of serving, a gift of laying down their lives. Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. I, I said that already in John 14, when the Helper comes. Whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. John 16, verse 7 says, but I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage, that's the scripture I just quoted, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And then lastly, Luke Chapter 24, verse 49. And behold, I'm sending you, see, the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's telling his disciples to go wait. And we see at the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. He's telling them to go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive the Holy Spirit. To be my witnesses, you'll receive power. And on that day, the Spirit was poured out on the 120 in the upper room. Peter starts preaching. I mean, this is the same Peter that chopped off somebody's ear. This is the same Peter that denied Christ. This is the same Peter. And under the unction, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Peter starts preaching. And 3,000 men turn their hearts to Christ. They cut to the heart, the Bible says. And they ask this question, what must we do? Peter says, save yourselves from this wicked generation. Save yourselves from this wicked generation. Repent, meaning to turn away from your sin. You've walked in a certain way. Turn around, walk away from it. Walk away. Repent from your sin. Be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 42 picks up on that. And they, those that just got saved, devoted themselves. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit, my friends. The birth of the church is the work of the Spirit. He gave gifts. You see, the thing with that word in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, as we quickly unpack, he gave. In other words, he granted these gifts based on decision of his will and not on the merit of the recipient. I'll say it again. He granted these gifts based on decision of his will and not on the merit of his recipients. God doesn't call the gifted. He will gift those that he calls. He will place the gift upon you that you need to do. Remember that verse that we read in Ephesians chapter 2. God's prepared us for good works that we walk in them. What is the good works that God has called you to do in this life? What has God called you to do? John MacArthur says, it's like a triumphant conqueror distributing the spoils to his subjects. So beautiful. Gifts. What are gifts? He gave gifts. It's a word that means present or gift, but which lends greater emphasis to the character of the gift than the gift itself. It lends more emphasis on the gift, the character of it, the nature of it, that it's a gift from Him, that it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. It refers to the actual gifts with, which proves Christ's generous character. And lastly, he gave these gifts to men, to men and women who compose the church, us. Two questions that I want to ask. Why must a believer's purpose in life be tied into the local church? Why? My second question would be, are we as believers too individualistic? Next question is, how would our church, Joshua generation, be different if every member viewed himself or herself as a servant with a ministry to fulfill with the gift given to us by grace? What will we look like? It's not superstars. It's not certain people that, that's allowed to preach. Or, but every person has received a gift. In closing, I would like to note four things. Four things. I want to say the first thing is that every believer has been given a gift. 
every person that I'm looking. If you're a believer, a born-again believer, if you're sitting here tonight, you've called upon the name of the Lord. You've repented of your sin. You've been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you tonight that you've been given a gift. Some of you wouldn't want some of those gifts. Martyrdom is also a gift, just by the way. It's one of those gifts you can only use once. Unless we resurrect you. Some of you might have the gift of celibacy. Do you know what that means? You'll never get married. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> Stay <Stand> up. <laughs> See, four chapters in the New Testament talk about spiritual gifts. The significance of that is that each chapter emphasizes that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3 quickly. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. To each one of us, there's a measure of faith. And he says, exercise your gift in accordance to that measure of your faith. To each one. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there is to each one. Can you see that? It's not superstars. Again, it's every single person in this place. I want you to get excited about this. I want you to be like, Lord, like if you don't know, I remember finding out some of the gifts that the Lord has given me like as, as a journey over the last 30 years. Like I remember when the Lord said, I would like you to teach. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know anything. I was in a youth. And I said to my youth pastor, where do I start with this thing? And I found something. I read something about the paracletos. Beautiful. Do you guys know what the paracletos is? The Holy Spirit, the helper. And I preached on that. I remember that. 30 years ago, my first preach was on the Holy Spirit. The paracletos. And they couldn't silence me ever since then. <laughs> Hallelujah. My wife has tried. I think the only time that I was silent is when I saw her walk into the church. <laughs> True story. <laughs> John 15 verse 8. John 15 verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Why do I say that? So when you've received God's gracious gift, well, the first gift that we receive is the gift of salvation. You have also received the gracious spiritual gifts that the Lord has given us for His glory. And what is the glory that He receives? 
is that we bear much fruit. In other words, that we multiply. We say, Lord, we, we want to use what you've given us. The second thing that I want to note tonight, the first one was that everybody has been given a gift. The second thing is, Christ distributes these gifts according to his sovereign purpose. In other words, how he wants to use you. And I must confess <laughs> that sometimes I'm jealous of those who can sing and play instruments. I am. But God didn't give me those gifts. And I'm also jealous of those, and maybe you tonight may be jealous of those that are gifted in and you can fill in the blank. But that isn't my gift. And we have to bow before his sovereignty and accept how he has gifted us. We must accept that. The third thing that I want us to notice, since Christ gave these gifts, we must use them as he directs. It's obviously through the Holy Spirit, like I just said, but he's the one that sent the Holy Spirit to give these gifts. We must also use them as the Holy Spirit leads us. He is the sovereign Lord who distributes gifts according to his purpose. And therefore, we are accountable to him to use these gifts. We're accountable to him. See, popular, contrary to popular opinion, is there is no distinction in the New Testament between clergy and laity. Do you understand what that is? In other words, those that are in the church and those that preach. Nowhere in the Bible do we see a difference between that. Every single person has been called to ministry, really. Not just that I serve in a different capacity, maybe. And I might get paid to do this, but, but every single person in this place, you guys can do stuff that I will, you can speak to people I will never be able to speak to. Everything in life and in work is a vocation. In other words, God has called you to something. Maybe see your job, the place where you are, school, wherever you are. Maybe see it as, as a place where you can minister unto the Lord. Where you can show Jesus to people. And if you're working for a Christian boss, serve him well. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> serve them well. Serve them well. And thank the Lord you're working for a Christian boss. <laughs> you see, but every Christian is in the ministry. We're all in the ministry. In the sense that every Christian has a spiritual gift and will give an account to God for how he has used it. I would love you to go read tonight Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. This is the parable of the talents. And Jesus pictured a man about to go on a journey. Who entrusted, he entrusted five talents to one slave, two to another, and one to another. A talent was a measure of money 
not an ability to do something special. The man with the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. The man with the two talents did the same, and he gained two more. But the man with only one talent hid that money until the master returned and gave him back his own talent. Gave him one. The master accused that servant of being a wicked, lazy slave and ordered them that he be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is a frightening parable. In that, lazy, in that the lazy servant goes to hell. I didn't make this up. Jesus did. Okay. Jesus said this. I didn't make this up. Two brief observations here. First, the danger is for the person who isn't given much to bury his talent. If you think I can't do much for the Lord, so I won't be doing anything. Be careful. Second, not to serve the Lord in any capacity is an indication that you are not truly saved. If the one talent guy had used the talent to gain another one, he would have shown that he was a true servant of the master. He would have faithfully used what the master gave him. But by not using it all at all and spending his time on his own selfish pursuits, he showed that he was not a true servant. So each of us needs carefully to consider what gifts has the Lord entrusted to me and how does he want me to use them for his kingdom purposes. Let's be very careful of how we use this. Imagine that boy with the fish and the bread never got up. People wouldn't have been fed. That little bit. We look at all the big preachers and we think, oh, that big preacher started somewhere. With little fish and a little bit of loaves. A little bit. But you bring it by faith and through obedience. And then the Lord will bless it and give thanks and distribute it. The last thing that is an observation is using your gifts to serve Christ is an undeserved privilege. Paul emphasized this by repeating the terms grace, given, and gift. We see that often. Because our spiritual gifts were given to us by grace, there is no place for boasting. None of us can boast. Paul asked this question in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I didn't put it up on the board, but he asked this question. He says this, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? See, Paul is saying, listen, all has been given. You can't boast about anything. It's his. Let's channel it back to him. Everything is yes. Let's give it all back to him all the time. That is, that is casting down your crowns before him. It's not for you to boast with your crowns and walk around with your crowns and say, look at my crowns. It's about bowing before him and casting your crowns before him in worship and adoration. Also, there is no place 
for grumbling. When you serve the Lord, the very fact that you, you were once a rebel, the Bible says. You were an alien, alienated. You were dead in your sin. The mere fact that you're serving Jesus today is by grace and grace alone. Pure grace. Think of where you could have been without hope, without God in this world. Living for vain pleasures and headed towards eternal punishment. Like Lazarus, that story that we heard, the rich man. So when you're tempted to quit serving the Lord because someone hurt your feelings or didn't appreciate you as much, much as he should have, stop and think about the undeserved privilege of serving him. I'm going to say this again because I've seen so many do this. When you are tempted to quit serving the Lord because someone has hurt your feelings or didn't appreciate you as much as he or she should have. Stop and think about the undeserved privilege of serving him. But serving Christ, especially if we should be persecuted as Paul was, only makes sense if Christ is who he claims to be. The only way. The only truth and the only life. And if you accepted him as your Lord and your Savior. Please close your eyes quickly.